Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Startup Savant Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, and this show is about the stories, challenges, and triumphs of fast-scaling startups and the founders who run them. Our guest on the show today is Joe Calderon, founder and CEO of PeliPost, a print-on-demand photo company focused on serving families of incarcerated individuals across the U.S., Joe and his mother, Becky, started PeliPost in 2016 after a situation that made them both painfully aware of the problem that disconnected families face. And there's quite a bit more to this story, but I'm going to let Joe tell it because he's going to do a lot better than I am. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we are in a challenge to get 100 reviews by episode 100. And audience, folks out there, you are basically our Obi-Wan because you are our only hope. So if you want to help us out, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating or a review. All right, let's jump into this episode with Joe Calderon of PeliPost. Joe, welcome to the show. How's it going, Ethan? Feels good to be here. Hey, I'm doing great. I'm excited you're here. I'm excited to have this chat. Um, and I know that this story is is a, such a good story, and I'm super excited to have you on to tell it. Um, but before we jump into the actual story of how this business started, can you give us a little bit of a primer on what PeliPost is and the problem that it's solving? Yeah, absolutely. So PeliPost is a mobile app that lets friends and family send printed photos to their incarcerated loved ones. So essentially, you could think of us as kind of a shutterfly Ask, but for those that are incarcerated and serving their families on the outside. That is a pretty buttoned up, uh, buttoned up response. I love that. <laughs> um, all right. So let's not tease anybody anymore. Let's just jump into this story. Can you give us the, the background, the inception of PeliPost? Absolutely. So um, back when I was uh, in college, my mom, she was actually incarcerated in a prison in California, um, so while she was inside, your world changes when you're inside, you know, it's different, you know, things you have to navigate. So on our phone calls, she would always tell me, Joe, send me pictures, send me pictures. You know, sh- that was her link to the outside. But, you know, being a full-time student, I was an intern, life gets in the way. So you have to, you know, make time to go to Walgreens or CVS, wherever you get your photos printed these days. Um, so one day, you know, she was like, I want pictures. I got a new car. She wants all of that. So I looked down at my phone. I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just, you know, tap all these pictures. I have thousands of pictures on my phone. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just tap and they would go directly to the correctional facility. So then started thinking, and that's essentially how Peli Post was born. That's a pretty good story. I, uh, I think that it's, it's, it's really important, um, that you know a founder be connected with the issue that they're solving it doesn't always necessarily have to be you know their their own issue that mm-hmm. they have had their entire life that they're solving or something like that but but it's important to have that that connection that's going to that's going to give you the the drive to to solve the problem um do you know is this is this the only company or at the time that you started this and i think it was in 2016 was this the only company that was uh, offering any sort of service like this? Um, there was another company out there. Um, you know, so it was a little discouraging. I'm like, man, somebody's already doing this. And I'm sure a lot of people out there looking to start up are like, oh, I have this great idea, but chances are somebody is already doing it. It's a matter of, I looked at the company and I was like, man, they're doing this, but I can almost do it better. I think we can do it better. We can improve on that. So there was one company out there and then we just took that and we're able to make changes and make it better. 
and grow it to what it is today. So, so it was a little discouraging to you when you saw that there was, you know, some sort of, um, of competition out there. I think mm-hmm. that uh, there, there's, there's kind of this idea that if you, if you look out there and there is competition, that that kind of va- helps to validate the idea that like it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. there. Somebody else is making it work. Um, but yeah, it can definitely be, um, it can definitely be intimidating to say like, Hey, there's already this company they're entrenched, you know, they, they have the mm-hmm. relationships, they have a head start. they're, they're going to make it work. Um, but I think that, I think that, you know, seeing one other company really kind of doesn't, it doesn't spell doom for your company. It, it really kind of shows that there is an opportunity, but it's not, um, super saturated. So I like that you, mm-hmm. that you went ahead and got started. What were some of the things I know that you're, that you're, uh, that you're completely bootstrapped. Um, so what were some of the things that you, like, what was the first step? Once you, once you had this idea and said, I'm going to do this, I see this other company, we can make it better. What were the first steps that you took to move in the direction of building this business? So yeah, the the first step, definitely, I needed to validate, I needed to make sure like, okay, there's something here. You know, I saw the competitors out there, they had been funded, I think a million dollars at the time. So I'm like, you know, I need to try this, see what works. So before there was a mobile app, before there was what there is today, I launched a really, you know, a really clunky website to test it out there and just put it out there on the web. And what I actually did was I donated or I gave uh, pieces of paper like stationary. I sent that in to some people that were incarcerated, but it had our logo on the bottom. And I said, go to pellypost.com to get photos, this and that. And then, you know, I waited and then one day a user popped up and then another user popped up. So that month, I think we added probably like 20 users, which is not, you know, huge, but it was like for an entrepreneur, when you see that first user come in, let alone pay for a service, you're like, wow, this is great. Like so much motivation. So such encouraging encouragement there. Um, so that's kind of the early stages of how we started to really feel out and test to see, Hey, we got something here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and you, uh, you preempted a question that I had of, of how you were acquiring your first customers. And, and that mm-hmm. is probably, you know, it probably feels like a long time ago because at this point, I mean, what have you delivered more than like 20 million photos to, to folks on the inside? Yeah, it's 20 million photos so far and counting. So every day we're printing about, I want to say 20,000 photos a day are coming off our printing press here at uh, our Tampa location. So, That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a journey. Definitely. Yeah. So actually you mentioned something else that, that I want to talk about. Um, we spoke just a little bit before this call a couple of days ago and, um, and this was something interesting to me. I would have thought that you guys would have been using kind of like a third party service to to print the photos and then maybe taking care of the um, of the fulfillment or or vice versa or something like that. But but mm-hmm. you guys really take care of this entire process from beginning to end. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We have a full production press here um, at our fulfillment center. Uh, like I said, in Tampa, Florida. Um, but yeah, like, because we started out, we started out that way when we were in the early days, I got that first order and I'm like, great, what do I do now? 
like I need to print these photos. So I would go to Walgreens, print them out. But as time goes on, you have to know the dynamics of your industry. And so you start to realize in our industry, every correctional facility has their own rules, regulations, limits on photos. So you have to be able to control that as a company. So that's where we invested in our printing capabilities and having control of that ensured that our customers' photos were actually getting delivered, not being returned or rejected by the correctional facility. So is this a case of like, I don't know where it was printed, therefore I don't know, you know, what is on or in this piece of paper, this envelope? Is is that kind of the 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 kind of red tape issue that you had to deal with there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you have to understand that people use photos and mail as a way to smuggle in contraband to correctional facilities. So, you know, sending in photos from another third party or or whatnot, you lose that control versus building up that credibility of, hey, these came from Peli Post. We know they're good. That was ultimately our long-term vision was to build that credibility amongst our customers and amongst those uh, that are incarcerated and the correctional facilities themselves. So that was one of the big uh, decisions there to pursue strategies. Was this was this something that you ran into personally? I mean, did you have did you have a, a facility kick out a, a set of photos or, or was there a, another issue that you ran into that kind of like highlighted this this problem? Yeah, definitely. So I, I believe at the time, the limit for photos was you could only receive 10 photos. Uh, an incarcerated individual could only receive 10 photos at once. So one day I remember trying to send like 20, you know, and they got kicked back. They're like, no, you can only send 10. So then you would try again. Oh, no, you can't send a picture like of just my face, you know, because people can do different things with the headshot, mm. you know, make an ID card and so on. So the all these different nuances that you have to navigate, and it's different for every single facility. And there's about 4,000 in our database, 4,000 correctional facilities across the United States that we have to navigate around. So, yeah, it's it's really amazing to me that, you know, there's it doesn't sound like there's a ton of standardization between between facilities, even at the, you know, the the different levels at which they're they're operated. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to talk more about that database here in a little while. Um, yeah. But uh, but it sounds to me like, you know, I was thinking that there was going to be logistics issues of of, you know, communicating with folks on the inside uh, communicating through the, you know, through the facilities, um, or through their approved channels. Um, I I was figuring that you were going to run into issues at that level, but it sounds to me like you're also running into issues at the, like the subject matter level Do, do, are these images, I guess, obviously depends on the facility, but are they being viewed by, um, folks at the facility before they can go to the the incarcerated individual oh yeah 100 percent. so that's another thing you have to learn within this you know new world of being inside um you realize that there is no expectation of privacy 
uh, when mail gets sent in, except if it's like legal mail from like an attorney or something like that's privileged communication. But anyone sending photos inside, letters, it's all viewed, open, inspected, content is, you know, viewed by correctional staff in the mailroom. So that, and it is like if, a photo is rejected, they could kick back the entire order. They could kick back one photo. It really depends on the facility. So that's why we really do our best to ensure that all the photos are in compliance, you know, on our end before we send them off to ensure that they're delivered. Cause we know how important it is to, you know, stay connected with those on the outside and the inside. So, you know, it's, yeah. Right. And I think some people out there might be listening and and saying like, hey, what is this? What does this really have to do with, you know, with me and my business? And I think that that the you know, if they're if they're not printing photos, if they're not sending, you know, photos or other items to, you know, to folks in the, you know, in the the system, they're not maybe running into these types of issues. But I think that if you run a business, if you start a business, you are going to run into problems and you are going to you're just going to have issues and being able oh, yeah. to get creative and to solve those issues is that is what business is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering now, you know, you've been doing this for several years. How what's the rate at which you at which you end up getting, you know, things rejected based on either um you know, someone doing something incorrectly or working with a new facility where you all don't know the the process yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I could I can uh, kind of walk you through the the transition from when we first started, you know, first starting, we didn't have any information, you know, websites, things of that sort. So it was a lot of, you know, trial and error, you know, people sending, getting kicked back and adjusting, adapting. But as time went on, we're like, you know what, we have to really manage this database because we can become that resource for people that this is a new world for everyone. So being able to display rules, photo limits for every single facility, that's pretty much our bread and butter is that we can definitely deliver, ensure photos get there without, you know, violating any facility rules and and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it is definitely trial and error, but as long as you're taking those errors or those setbacks and you're learning from them, that's, that's ultimately what decides personally for me success or, or being able to grow the, the business through those hard startup uh, years. So what percentage of your internal staff is focused on kind of navigating these logistics or communicating with the databases or not the databases, the facilities to fill the database? Yeah, absolutely. So we have an awesome uh, fulfillment team here. So they are in charge of, they essentially receive the photos or get the photos from our production department. And they're actually seeing, you know, then they're comparing like, okay, these are the photos that are being inserted to be shipped. And then they're, they see on their screen, okay, these are the rules, making sure they kind of line up. So we're kind of doing a screening before we actually send them off. Um, and then any issues or anything that we see that might be popping up, that's communicated to our, what we call a facility relations director. So he is in charge. His name's Randy. He's awesome, by the way. And um, he is in charge of actually reaching out to facilities and streamlining that communication to feed our database to really build off that. Because, you know, rules change. Um, we 
obviously there's everything changes, new people come into administrations and facilities. So it's, it's his job to really stay on top of that and keep that dialogue open. Because ultimately, if we have communication with the facilities, they know who we are. They're going to allow our photos to get delivered, you know, more times than not. All right, let's let's talk about this database. Um, so <laughs> you are you are building, you know, you're building a database of, I'm sure, tons of information. You know, you've got the facilities and you've got the, you know, the logistics and the photo requirements. Are you putting any other data that doesn't necessarily pertain to what you are to to delivering photos what you're doing right now, but are you putting any other data that might be helpful for you in the future into that database as well? Yeah. So right now, I mean, mostly it's, it's high level, but then we're also putting like key contacts for different facilities. So who's the administrator, who is, what's their number? Like in case we have to reach out and try and get a hold of someone, you know, it's about implementing, it's almost, it's essentially is a CRM, mm -hmm. you know, just for our facility relations. So we know, Hey, I talked to so-and-so, you know, I talked to this person, um, kind of getting that. So we, we know in case I take a call or Randy takes a call, you know, we, we know who we're talking with and what to talk about essentially. Right. So when I think of, when I think of business, when I think of the core of what business is, I, I think of creating value. I mean, it's it's as simple as that, and yet it's as difficult as that, because what the heck does mm -hmm. that mean? I think this is a really, really good example where you are creating something of value. Obviously, you are building this database of information because it doesn't exist anywhere else. And since it doesn't exist anywhere else, and you need the information, there's a pretty good chance that someone else down the line might also need similar information or would make their life easier if they had access to this database. Do you, mm -hmm. I mean, do you have any plans to like monetize or leverage the information within your database at any point? You know, I don't think the question is about monetization. I don't think that's the core strategy because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to become a resource at, at this point. So what I envision for the future is PeliPost becoming that go-to resource. So not just a matter of us using it for operationally, it's a, it's, I can see it becoming the aspect of, Hey, let me, my loved one just got incarcerated. Let me search information and we come up providing all the rules, mailing address, physical address, things that we use that others can use too. Um, so I think that's more valuable to our, and that's more valuable to our users and to the community, um, but also helping us ensure that we keep that line of communication open. Cause that's, I think our priority uh, at the moment. So. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So let's jump back to customer acquisition. And I know you you gave the story of <laughs> printing out some uh, 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 paper and sending it you know, or donating it to the facilities themselves with with your with your number and website or whatever it requires for folks to find you. Do you still do you still do that? Is that still a tactic that, that works for y'all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, now it's uh you know, it's evolved much more than back then. I was just kind of copying and pasting some clip art, but now we have a wonderful graphics design team, but the same concept still applies. You know, a lot of the traction that we gain is from the inside to those on the outside. So 
you know, we'll send in with every order, we're sending a print advertisement, just saying, hey, this order was printed with Pelly Post. And every time that order lands in the hands of the incarcerated individual, they're going to take that brochure and be like, wow, like, this is who I used, you need to use them too. Um, So that's, pretty much the same drive um you know those on the inside they don't have cell phones they don't have well they're not supposed to um they don't have laptops you can't market facebook ads or things like that so we utilize print ads within the inside because that's all they can pretty much receive at this point so so i mean that's that's obviously amazing because if if you were to ask me like hey how do i get some sort of advertisement for a service into you know into a a prison or a facility or whatever i would be like i don't i don't know <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah, that's not I something mean... <laughs> that that i think of but there's so you've kind of got two sides of this market though you've got the folks on the inside but you've got the folks on the outside and so my initial thought is hey go to the folks on the outside because they actually you know have the ability to like see things and take action on on stuff like mm-hmm. that but yeah you going to the to the inside i think that's that's pretty pretty genius yeah and you know it it, and it's all about knowing the dynamics you know this is the experience that i had personally with my mom being inside so that kind of gives me that advantage you know she by the way she actually is our chief operating officer now so she actually oversees all of our production which she's amazing um but it's all about knowing your market and the dynamics of it because if you really look at it those on the inside really drive the decisions for people on the outside when it comes to sending in, you know, photos, letters, things of that sort. So if you can, you know, win over those on the inside and they're telling the people, telling friends and family, you're just reinforcing it with traditional marketing on the outside. So you're kind of getting both sides of it. Yeah. And translate again, this to a, to a business that, that isn't dealing with, with this clientele. It's find the Mm -hmm. decision maker. I, I drove, Uh I was, uh, I was out on the bike the other day and I drove by a, um, a Harley dealership and, uh, I wasn't going to stop in because I don't have anything to do there, but on their little sign, (laughs) they said, um, don't worry. Your wife called and said, it's okay. And it's like, <laughs> man, they they figured it out. They, that's, they know. that's probably their number one, you know, their number one um, reason that people don't buy or that they say they don't is, you know, what I got to I got to run this by the wife. And so this is this is the same thing. You're you're putting it into the hands of the people that are making the decisions. Um, mm-hmm. So that's absolutely that's absolutely genius. And I know that you all also do quite a bit of social media stuff. And I'm assuming that that is focused for people on the outside. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So we like to showcase, you know, our company culture. We like to show that we're real people here. Like we're not just random, you know, in a closet or a garage printing photos. We're an actual team here. So that's what we like to showcase on social media, as well as the fact, you know, how we get involved with different um, causes, you know, philanthropy, things of that sort. So yeah, we like to show all that off on social media. Gotcha. So it doesn't sound like it's like direct ads of like, send photos to the people you've got. It sounds like it's more uh, indirect in just like kind of brand building. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have motivational Mondays. So it's like just sending a motivational quote to our users on a Monday. It's not, hey, send photos, like send with us. Like it's none of that. It's 
you know, content that they can actually use or appreciate. That's the that's the goal of our uh, our social media. Absolutely. How has that social media strategy changed over the past couple of years? Obviously, your business is changing, but the the kind of rules and uh, ways that the social media platforms operate has also changed quite a bit over the past couple of years. How how have you specifically had to keep your strategy up to date? Yeah, I mean, obviously with, I'll use, you know, Facebook or Meta, you know, they went through some changes uh, with respect to privacy and, and all that. We all know what happened. So it, it's a matter of just taking their rules and, and kind of playing by it, unfortunately. But it's also being able to identify other platforms. And the big one is obviously TikTok. So TikTok is a big one that we're really building on. I have to shout out Caitlin. She's our social media coordinator. She does amazing uh, on there. Um, but yeah, so it, it's just a matter of you know, navigating those different rules, algorithms, um, playing by their rules, uh, unfortunately. So it, as far as a marketing standpoint too, paying for those types, it's becoming more and more difficult to really target your audience. So uh, unfortunately, it's just the name of the game uh, with social media. Are you finding those actual like paid advertisements to still be profitable? Um, they are profitable. Definitely. It takes a lot more work to get it to that point though. You know, just trying to find that audience, trying to find, you know, how to target. Um, but ultimately it comes back to just organic, genuine content, you know, just a video of us, uh, working or, or, you know, just a happy birthday. I know we did a, uh, a TikTok where they used M&Ms you know, because those on the inside, if you don't have makeup, women, they don't have makeup. They use M&M uh, coloring <laughs> to actually do makeup. So, yeah, go check out our, our TikTok. You could see it. It came out really great. Um, so things like that is what really connects with our audience. So, I mean, you can pay ads, things of that sort. But I'm finding that people are becoming a little more weary of those paid ads. It's all about being genuine. It's all about putting out content that people actually want to watch. So how are you measuring success on on these different either the ads or the posts or the campaigns? Yeah, I mean, definitely just looking at is it producing, you know, um, engagement? Like, are they liking the post? How many people are seeing the post? You know, and that's becoming another challenge is trying to get more people to see your content without having to boost it. Because, you know, ultimately, social media companies are out there to make money. So, you know, you'll you'll get. X amount of people to see it, but if you want more people to see it, you'll have to boost it. So we try and find that fine balance, but overall, I mean, I think it's it's going well. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, that things are continuing to work because I know this is obviously a, a changing landscape and mm -hmm. I don't see it stopping. Uh, the change will yeah. probably all just accelerate faster and faster. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about family. And I know you mentioned um, Becky. Uh, we know you're the CEO. Becky's the COO. Um, your <laughs> wife, Natalie, is the CMO. Um, and I want to ask this question as openly <laughs> as possible. How is it running a business at this scale with your family? I knew this question was coming, Ethan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask. No, it is, you know, it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It gets challenging at times. 
um, to separate personal and professional. You know, we have to ensure when we come in the office, it's ensuring that we're professional. You know, we all have our opinions. We all have different ways, but ultimately we need to, you know, I'm the CEO. She's a CMO. Becky's a COO. So um, it's all about ensuring that there's boundaries within personal and um, professional. So, it, but it does get challenging, you know, I, you know, Natalie and I, we work together, then we go home and trying to just, you know, almost like decompress and become husband and wife, you know, it, it's challenging, but you know, I give a lot of credit to Natalie for, it's not easy dating or being married to dating, you know, we dated married, um, to an entrepreneur. So it's, it's, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to her. She is definitely, um, help me become the CEO that I am today. So yes, we all entrepreneurs <laughs> can be handfuls. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a nice way to put it. For sure. <laughs> Do you all have any, um, any like specific, uh, written or unwritten rules that you, that you absolutely follow to keep the, the family from imploding? Yeah. I mean, nothing really in written in stone or anything, but we kind of understand that, you know, when we leave this building, it, it's things could get heated, especially, you know, when strategy and, you know, we, we may not all agree at once, but when we walk out of this building, we hug each other. We're family. We're, you know, son, mother, wife. Uh, we're all uh, a family, you know, and then when we go home, it's, you know, we're doing family things. Me and my wife, me and Natalie, were just there um, watching TV, trying not to interact with our phones or, or whatnot. It's kind of just making that our time, um, which is crucial. You have to do that because if not, you can't let the the business consume that personal relationship. Definitely not. So have you all ever run into any issues with non-family member staff that have stemmed from the family dynamic? in the business? You know what? No, I, I, I haven't come across that. Um, because for the fact that we keep it professional in this office, you know, we, we, it's not like me and Natalie are over there, you know, hugging each other or anything like that. It's like, nope, she's the CMO and I treat everyone the same. They're an employee at this, at this company. So I hold everyone accountable to, you know, our, our goals and, and whatnot. So, you know, it, that's how it has to be. And I like it that way personally. So, yeah. Equal fist fights between everyone. No discrimination. Yes, that's it. No discrimination. <laughs> We're all on a level playing field when it comes to that uh, professional versus family. No, nope. I only see my staff members and my team. I don't see anything else besides that. Perfect. All right, let's yeah. talk about which is um, which is a skill that you just have to learn. That was an acquired skill. Like I learned that because before it's like, oh, I feel bad. I, I don't want to say something. But now it's like, nope, this is how it's got to be. So. So, yeah, yeah, actually, I want to I want to dig into that. Is it is it a <laughs> is it a an outward way that you that you act or is it kind of like an inward feeling? I mean, it's probably a little bit of both. But like, what do you feel like the the biggest change was between when you when you didn't feel like you were, you know, um, had a, a, a super strong handle on the family dynamic in the business versus the time when you do have that, mm -hmm. that skill? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, from the internal, it's about, it was struggling with, man, I don't want to say this because it's going to hurt or it's going to, you know, 
you know, it, it's going to, she's going to disagree with me or yeah. he's going to disagree with me. So, but after that, you have to learn that, you know, you're the one in charge. You have to make the decision because ultimately I'm making the best decision that's going to benefit everyone else, you know, and I'm thinking I'm making the decision that's going to benefit everyone else. So me holding back and hampering that decision-making is just hurting everyone else. Um, and in the long run. So that's kind of the realization that I came across gotcha. and I worked on personally. All right. So let's talk about the the future of Pelipost, the the expansion, the the plans that you've got. Um, are you more focused on on growing the core photo delivery service to, you know, more users, more facilities, um, more uh, more of the same and just kind of like uh, building yourself out that that real hold on the market, or are there other directions that you're looking into that that make sense to to build out? Yeah. So, with respect to our products, like I said, we are a full production printing press. So we're able to we've just expanded our product base beyond just photos. We're able to do greeting cards. We're actually partnered with facilities to allow photo books as well so we are able to kind of innovate and create more product offerings that comply with facility rules we're also adding the ability to write letters so that's a big one that we want to really be able to serve because pictures are great but you know i want to be able to write an entire letter um, to keep that communication line open but as far as the big picture you know i alluded to it earlier I want us to become the resource for every for this community that's going through this really challenging time because I was there. I, I went through that challenging time personally. Um, so, you know, I ultimately look at building a forum for our users so that they can go on there, exchange information, um, building, doing a podcast. You know, we, we want to do a Peli Post podcast for our users to give information that they can use to help navigate this difficult time. So I think that is definitely where the future is becoming is just being that online resource um, to connect this community and to keep the communication lines open. The Pelipod. That's the, the that's Pelipod. The, that's the name of the I, show. That's it. There you go. Ethan, that's it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> was uh was building a community top of mind when you launched Pelipost, or was there something was there a certain point in time where you were like, hey, uh, this makes sense. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always been at the core of our company because what makes us really unique is that we were there. You know, I was there, Becky was there we've gone through this struggle so we understand that the importance of photos and what they mean to somebody on the inside if you ask becky she'll say it was the fuel in her tank that kept her going through her sentence so just knowing that every time we get an order we fulfill it and ensuring it gets delivered we know the impact that we're making and the community how we're benefiting the community in that sense so yeah i mean it is embedded in our core and i think that's what speaks to our culture of empathy here um, at Pelly Post is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. You know, it, you may have somebody incarcerated, you may be going through something personally, but I think a strong skill is just putting yourself in that person's shoes and understanding, hey, they're going through a rough time at this point. Um, so that that's kind of the foundation of Pelly Post. All right, we're going to get into the good stuff. My favorite question, what is your number one piece of advice for early stage entrepreneurs? That's a good one. 
I, I'm going through like a Rolodex of all the oh yeah information. Everything's up there. <laughs> My number one advice, I don't know if this is cliche or not, but, you know, be a, a jack of all trades, but a master of none, you know, and I, you have to ask for help. You have to reach out and get the advice. I, I've made the mistake, you know, of thinking, you know what, I can do this. I can do it myself. I can do the heavy lifting. But there are people out there that specialize in things and they you can network with these people, get information to help you succeed. So that ultimately is the advice I would give is know when what your limit is and then know when to ask for that support, when to ask for that help. So, you know, cliches become cliches for a reason. <laughs> it's because you they're know? they're good advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's ultimately what I could say. And I mean, just a, another piece of advice is just speaking from personal experience, you're going to have the entrepreneur journey, the entrepreneurship journey is a non-traditional journey. You know, people are going to criticize, people are going to say, why are you doing this? Like, you know, you have to stay the course because ultimately you're going to see that traction, but you have to stay the course. You have to ignore the outside noise and just go with what you feel. Um, and if you, you have the drive to do it, you're going to succeed. So, all right. What's next for Pelly Post? What are we going to see in the next month, three months, six months? Yeah. So, I mean, like I mentioned, looking to start a Pelly Post podcast. So that's going to be rolling out probably within the next, uh, I would say, three months or so. And then you're going to start seeing more and more product offerings. You're going to start seeing uh, greeting cards, which have already launched. We're starting to see traction there. And um, I think what you're going to start seeing, too, is we're going to start being working directly with correctional facilities, because ultimately, if we keep that line of communication open, that's going to be better for our customers because our photos will be delivered. We're all on the same page. So that's going to be crucial. And you're going to start seeing these collaborations with correctional facilities to ensure that. Uh, those communication uh, lines or methods stay open between PeliPost and those on the inside. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing everything that you've got going on, Joe. This has been a ton of fun. Um, last question, where can people connect with you online and how can our listeners support PeliPost? Absolutely. I would just tell everyone, go to our um, website, www.pellypost.com. You can see our story. You can see pictures of, you know, Becky and I um, when she was incarcerated. So, you know, you know, telling the truth here. Um, and then all of our social links, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Definitely want to check out our TikTok. We have some great content on there just to kind of see what we're all about and what goes on between these walls every single day. So. All right. And well, Facebook. And Facebook. <laughs> get the Facebook. Got to get the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to put links to everything, uh, everything you just mentioned and everything else that we talked about uh, in today's show on the show notes page over at startupsavant.com slash podcast. Um, but this is this is it, uh, Joe. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you the last word. No, I just want to say thank you for having me. And um you know, for just talking to those entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start up, like I said, you just have to stay the course, um, listen to your heart, go for it. And if you don't succeed the first time, you take a step back, learn from it and just keep going. So that's just keep going for it. Thanks, Joe. All right, Ethan. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
All right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Startup Savant Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, I have a quick favor to ask of you before you go. If you like the pod and you want to support the team, the best way to do that is to share this show with your friends. All the podcast players make sharing pretty simple, so when you have an extra 30 seconds today, just tap that share button and send this over to two of your besties. We appreciate your help. We will be back next Wednesday morning with another episode. I hope to see you there. And in the meantime, go build something beautiful. Startup Savant Podcast is produced by Truick.